This is an ABC podcast. Hello, this is Coronacast, a daily podcast all about the coronavirus. I'm health reporter Tegan Taylor. And I'm physician and journalist Dr Norman Swan. It's Friday the 26th of November 2021. And Norman, since the beginning of this pandemic, there's been one word that people have hated because it's become so overused and it's the word unprecedented. But actually, if you take a far enough view of human history, there's kind of nothing more precedented than a pandemic. Like we've been living with them for hundreds, probably thousands of years. And we actually got a question from Gabe asking us to rank (laughs) previous pandemics, saying, are we actually living in a fortunate time in human history? How does COVID-19 measure up to other pandemic diseases? Like, you know, if COVID had emerged in 1918 instead of the Spanish flu or in the 1300s, like the Black Death, what would the pandemics have looked like in comparison to this one? And how would it have ended? And I can't tell you how much this question's piqued my curiosity. So let's pit COVID-19 against other pandemics. Yeah, let's dive in and create a league table of pandemics. It's pretty bleak. <laughs> the first pandemics, because you got you had a go at me yesterday about being too prolix, so I'm going to be short. <laughs> so the first pandemics would have been measles, mumps, chickenpox, smallpox at the time of uh, our change to agriculture and settling in large settlements. That's when those pandemics, those been pandemics of the day. Because you had people close to each other so you could transmit diseases. Is that where it happened? That's right. So you had the jump from animals and then you had enough humans living together to sustain human-only diseases. And we'll never know how many uh, people were infected with them, but they would have been pretty bad pandemics. And we're still living with them now. We got rid of smallpox, but it was pretty dreadful throughout most of human history after agriculture. So we don't really know that. The Black Death, plague. There's been three pandemics of plague starting in the about the 7th century AD. Then there was the Black Death starting probably actually more like the 11th and 12th centuries, but really hitting hard in the 14th century. Killed maybe 30% of the population of Europe, lasted for 300 years. We're actually in the third pandemic now, which started in the late 19th century, but hasn't killed as many people, nothing like it. It's a pretty bad one, hard to actually um, get, you know, it's hard to actually beat the, the Black Death for its impact, um, although the impact's less now. Syphilis, syphilis was, is, has been a pandemic. It's, it, Columbus brought it back from Hispaniola. Um, it spread wildly in the late uh, 15th century and is still with us today. That has killed and maimed untold millions. We don't know, but it, you know, it's right up there. AIDS, AIDS leaves, unfortunately, and sadly and tragically, AIDS leaves coronavirus uh, in its wake. COVID-19 has had you know, about 260 million people diagnosed with the virus. Which is probably an underestimation, yeah. So it's probably nearer a billion people. Five million deaths, multiply that probably by you know, five to seven. AIDS, 79 million people infected, mm. 36 million people dying. Oh. So 50% of the people who in history or through the history of HIV AIDS have died. Now that's going to change, that's changed dramatically with new treatment, but it's a pretty impactful um, uh, pandemic. And of course, you've had flu pandemics, particularly the 1918 one, which really was um, a major pandemic killed. We'll never know how many it killed. So, you know, does does COVID-19 go to the top of the league? No, it doesn't. Is it there maybe in the top 10? It's certainly there in the top 10. So much of our experience with the pandemic has been mediated through public health responses and medicine, which the technology for which we didn't have when most of these other diseases came up. If COVID had emerged 100 years ago, you know, instead of the Spanish flu, so-called Spanish flu, it would be a really different picture. 
It, it would have been a different picture, and we wouldn't have recognised it necessarily as a different disease. We'd have probably thought it was just a bad form of the flu because the symptoms are so similar, but they would have been, the doctors of the day would have been scratching their heads wondering why people were getting kidney failure, heart disease, brain damage, and all that, that sort of thing. And they would have been wondering whether it was a different infection, but they wouldn't have had the technology to diagnose it. It's a pretty dark thing to be putting on a league table, Norman. I think we should say that out loud. But what would be number one, do you reckon? Well, it depends on the rules of the game. Uh, it's hard to beat plague at its worst. I mean, a plague at its worst was dreadful, really, truly awful. Well, thank goodness and thank science for antibiotics because the plague is caused by bacterium, which we actually have medicine for now. We do. Although, <laughs> although... Oh, dear. <laughs> I mentioned that we're in the third pandemic of plague. What happened during the third pandemic of plague when it spread from China around the Pacific is that it became endemic in the early 20th century in the United States. It came to Australia but never became endemic in our wild animal population. It's endemic in the wild animal population in the United States. Yeah, it lives in gophers, doesn't it? Yeah, gophers, ground rodents, uh, coyote. Um, there's a lot of animals who actually get infected. Hunters regularly get infected with plague in America, but it's particularly endemic in animals in California. And here is the scenario. An earthquake along the San Andreas Fault, a mutation in Yersinia pestis, the germ, it becomes virulent, it spreads in the chaos of uh, an earthquake to uh, pets, people's pets, and then to humans. It becomes pneumonic plague, which means that it spreads very quickly between people, aerosolize, and you die very quickly. So you could actually have an outbreak of plague in the United States of America. That sounds like the worst Matt Damon slash Dwayne the Rock Johnson movie ever. <laughs> And it probably will happen when an asteroid is heading for Earth. Of course. Yeah, let's not leave Bruce Willis out of the picture. Okay, so Norman, let's talk about COVID again um, and let's talk about how we detect it because we talked a lot about rapid antigen testing on this podcast recently, the different rapid antigen tests available in Australia, and there's some new research looking at just how good rapid antigen tests are at detecting Delta. And the short answer is they're, they're, they tested 11 tests and they're pretty good. So it, it, it performs well for the Delta variant. In fact, perhaps a little bit better for the Delta variant than some of the other variants. So that's good news. Are they just, these the same sorts of tests? As, like they're not the same brand of tests as we're um, using in Australia. These one, This study was done in... Some of them are. It's about 11 tests. So um, very similar performance characteristics depending on variant. And... Uh, we said that we, if we could get hold of a ranking, we'd give it. And the TGA has a ranking of tests, um, which you can go to. We'll put the URL on the CoronaCast website. The word of warning I've got for this is that it's the manufacturer's own results in terms of how good they perform. And the TGA, as far as we're, we're aware, has not verified that with their own testing. Although I think some jurisdictions have done their own testing, but we don't have access to those results. So just be wary when, you, when it says very high sensitivity. That's the manufacturer's own results. So we promised our audience yesterday, Norman, that we would do a proper quick, quick fire Friday today, which is Friday. Before we get into it, I do want to put in a, a note from Matt B, who's written in saying, given Norman's very correct use of gymnasia instead of gymnasiums, a joke. Norman Swan walked into a bar and asked the barman for a martinis. The barman said, don't you mean martini? And Norman said, if I wanted to, I would have asked for it. Ba-dum-tsh. Yeah, I like martinis. I would have thought you'd want it too. Yeah, exactly. One's not enough. Not on a Friday night. <laughs> well, let's do Quick Fire Friday starting. Are you going to be quick this time? Yep. Well, if you stopped asking right. questions, I'll get on with it. All right, let's go. 
Rod asks, why does Dr Swan call double vaccinated fully vaccinated when he has declared it's three plus doses? It's been a while since I've called it double vaccinated. It's the authorities who are saying you're fully vaccinated at double. I personally believe you're not fully vaccinated and until you've had your third dose. Andrea says, if you got Pfizer for doses one and two, what booster do you get? If I remember correctly, Pfizer is only is the only one approved as a booster, but didn't you say it's better to get a different vaccine for your booster? Should we wait till Moderna is approved as a booster? Well, you shouldn't wait until Moderna because we don't know when that's going to come. And if you're at six months, you should be getting your booster and a third dose of Pfizer will do you just fine. But if Moderna is available by the time you need it, then it would be better to actually get Moderna and mix the doses. Damien's wife and he are both double vaccinated, but they had breakthrough infections thanks to primary school outbreaks. How are their antibody levels now? Damien asks, are we immortal? If only, Damien. And I'm not sure that your antibody levels are immortal either, but you're, you're probably in pretty good shape and you may well not need a booster after a natural infection. It's, it's hard to know, but you could probably wait longer than six months, but you need to get advice on that. Selma asks, is the risk of fomite or surface transmission a real concern or overrated? So it's grossly overrated, Tegan. Um, from data that we broadcast last year on Coronacast, maybe 1% or 2% of cases. Mike Toole on the Burnet Institute's podcast, How Science Matters, I think it's episode four, he was saying there hasn't been a single documented case, and Mike Toole certainly knows what he's talking about. So it's either very, very low numbers or it's not at all. Overrated you breathe in this virus. Leslie asks, with Victoria hitting 90% double dose, why are the daily COVID cases not dropping? Well, first of all, you can get COVID when you're vaccinated. So some people will be getting, there will be some vaccinated people getting COVID. Um, The other is that there's still quite a lot of Victorians unvaccinated and that's running through the population. And it may well be that we don't turn around the number of cases, but the hospitalizations are well under control, which is the which is the number we really need to look at. Michael wants to know if you, Norman, would be happy sitting next to an unvaccinated person on a plane, especially when there are empty rows elsewhere. I, I think that we should maintain our rule about vac- only vaccinated people getting on planes, just to maintain, first of all, the motivation to get vaccinated, but also to create uh, a much safer environment. Um, when you're on a metal tube for a long time. One more question from Joanne saying, is singing in a community choir still a high-risk activity? And what's the relative risk of singing with only vaccinated people versus singing with both vaccinated and unvaccinated people? Joanne herself is double vaccinated. Well, singing with vaccinated people is certainly much safer because their chances of being infected are anywhere between 70 and 50% less than if you're unvaccinated. So that does create a layer of safety and and singing is uh, an aerosolizing event. So it just depends on how much virus there is circulating and probably when you get to 95% people are fully vaccinated. You might want to think about relaxing the unvaxxed ban, but you know that's up to that's up to you. But it's no question it's safer with fully vaccinated people. Phew. Well done Norman. I'll let you catch your breath. Good quick firing on this Friday poured my martinis and I'm ready to drink it. (laughs) Well, that's all we've got time for on Coronacast. For this week, our listener survey, thank you so much to the six and a half thousand of you who responded. We've closed the survey now. We love you all very much. Will is crying because it's too much data for him to crunch. So we're going to go through these responses. We'll let you know in the next couple of weeks what's happening with Coronacast next year. And we'll see you on Monday. See you then.